Hello, this is Comeback, this is Connor, and this is episode 107. My guest today is Lindsay Meaden. We're going to talk about her book, What Suicide Left Behind, and discuss a topic that needs much awareness. Lindsay, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Hi, Connor. Hi. So, Lindsay, would you mind starting for me a bit about your background? Uh, you're from the UK, correct? I am, yes. I'm in the southeast in Tunbridge Wells in Kent. Okay, and what sort of work do you do? Uh, prior to last year, I worked as a therapist, stroke coach, um, working with people with anxiety, depression, panic attacks, trauma, etc., um, and helping people to sort of build a more resilient mindset. Okay, I see. And what made you go into that line of work? Uh, my background prior to that was working in human resources um, and it was only when I met my husband many, many years ago. He um, was training in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming and Hypnosis or Hypnotherapy. And as soon as I started to realise just how powerful these methodologies are, I started learning myself and attending vast amount of courses and trainings both in the UK in America um, and yeah I just felt it was something I really wanted to learn more about and work with individuals to help them. Um, I personally in the past have experienced with had experience with panic attacks and anxiety um, and these techniques really really help and make a difference so yeah it's life-changing stuff. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who is unaware of the benefits that NLP and hypnotherapy can provide? Give it a go. Um, you know, I personally think there's, I mean, there's, there's so many methodologies out there. So it's almost a minefield when you go online and look at all the different types of therapies. There's CBT, there's EMDR, there's TFT, there's havening techniques, there's counseling there's so much and um I think you just have to find what you feel most comfortable with what feels right for you and it may be that you have to try different things but what I find with um my experiences and, and certainly Chris with his clients Chris my husband NLP works so much faster um we use it combined with the havening techniques and hypnotherapy as well and it's just really gets to the core right to the issues and releases the emotions the triggers the trauma and allows somebody to sort of change the landscape of their brain from being traumatized from all that suffering to giving them a much more resilient mindset going forwards and it's all about individuals I think learning more about themselves and giving themselves tools and resources so that going forwards they know how to deal with situations differently to what they would have done in the past. Perhaps in the past, they would have, you know, got more panic attacks and more anxiety and, and more, um, so dealing with perhaps, I don't know, other things that, because they didn't know how to deal with it. But going forwards, if they know they've got the tools and resources to help them um, get through a lot of the things that life throws at us, then it can only be, be good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I do think we need more awareness of both of these topics. I noticed my own 
uh, from my own experience, hypnotherapy and NLP to be particularly powerful. And so I'm glad that you're raising more awareness about this. Yeah, unfortunately, NLP, I know in the past has had some bit of a bad name that it sort of can be manipulative for the hypnosis, you know, you can hypnotize people and there's no control. And, and that's so outdated and it's so wrong. And I think once people actually experience how NLP can help you, each individual, it's about us learning how to how to run our own brains, our own mindset. Um, and it's so powerful. And, you know, I think it should be taught in schools as well. Um, very, very powerful tool. I see. And then now, Lindsay, uh, I'd like to touch upon this topic, um, surviving suicide. If you don't mind, do you mind telling me a bit more about what happened last year with your brother? Sure. Um, it's actually quite a, a poignant day today because it's a year ago that um, my brother's funeral. And so I'm actually feeling quite emotional today, um, having just watched the footage of his last road trip. Um, so it was June last year during the COVID-19 lockdown. Um, I remember it all so, so well, like it was yesterday, that my brother first went missing. Um, had a phone call from his partner at the time to say he's, he's missing and going missing is not something he does. Um, so that in itself was just completely out of the blue, very out of the ordinary. Um, and so there was a lot of search with the police, local search rescues. Um, and three days later, I had that most horrific phone call that has completely changed me, has changed my life, has changed my world, to say that they had found my brother and he had ended his own life. Um, this was in the local Ashdown Forest. And absolutely shock, heartbroken, disbelief. Couldn't believe it was real, it was happening. It just didn't make any sense whatsoever. And my way of dealing with that from that moment has been to use my voice. Um, prior to my brother going missing, I'd always sort of been a quiet person, keeping things to myself, perhaps bottling things up. And since Stuart died, I have really used my voice a lot and I have shared my grief openly online because obviously we've been through a very lengthy lockdown mm. so the world has been a very different place to grieve in and I've never experienced grief like this before and so my place I felt that my grief was it had to come out and it's still coming out and I'm still talking a lot and I've been doing online videos helping others to feel that their grief is normal because we do often feel isolated or alone um, especially with suicide unfortunately there still very much is the stigma attached to it and that is something I am working with on a daily basis it's a huge challenge but I'm not going to give up I am talking a lot about suicide mental uh, well uh, mental health brain health well-being everything I'm just talking non-stop <laughs> mm. what more do you think can be done to raise awareness and get rid of this stigma, do you think it is a case of talking more and being more open about an epidemic such as this? What do you think are the main things we can do 
to reduce the stigma? I think it starts with educating people, informing people as to what suicide is and what it is not, because it's not a selfish act. It's not someone being a coward, an easy way out. Um, it's none of that. I think it's about saying, making people aware that it's it's all of our business. It's not just those that are affected directly. We are all affected. Um, and it starts within our communities. We can actually learn how to support one another within our little villages, in our towns, in our communities, by just being there to listen to somebody um, without any judgment, any opinion, without saying, oh, just pull your socks up or it'll be okay, just, you know, keep plodding on or just making somebody feel that they're not worthy or making someone feel that they're making it all up. You know, people often with depression will hide um, the depression. And it's worked with my brother. We didn't know there was anything going on. So I believe that it was a silent depression. Um, but I think, and particularly with men, they are so used to bottling things up and not being able to share their emotions and their feelings. But if they know that it's, it's okay to speak about how you're feeling, it's okay to say if you know, you're feeling sad about something or something's just bugging you or you can't, you know, there's a heartache, you've had a broken relationship and you don't know how to deal with it. We need to make it more acceptable within our communities, within our networks that we can talk and share about these things. And yeah, I'm connected with so many people who really want to, to make this difference because we have got to make it something that we all make it our business we all learn more about we are more understanding of people and we educate ourselves and that something like the NHS in the UK should be an absolute last resort we that they don't have the funding the resources to deal with the mental health because it's just so so big but we as individuals in our communities we can make a difference I see I think it is a collective responsibility yeah. with with that then Lindsay um you wrote the book do you mind telling me more about that whole process what was it like when did you start etc sure yeah and I, I never in a million years thought I would end up writing a book but then again I could say never in a million years did I think I would lose my brother my only sibling by suicide um as I said being put in that situation just completely out of the blue you know one day everything's absolutely fine a phone call completely changes your whole world and I found writing was very cathartic I just I think from sort of the next day I just started writing how I was feeling um and I was also dictating into a, a voice recording app as well just sort of speaking out my feelings and emotions and quite often I wasn't even sure what I was feeling, but I just felt I couldn't let any of it get bottled up inside. I had to express my feelings and my emotions. And I did that through writing. Um, and I was doing this pretty much on a daily basis to the point sort of a few months later, it sort of turned into a book organically just by itself. It just became a book. And then I started focusing on it and thinking, okay, perhaps this could help others. So, you know, 
I hear so often that people feel very alone in their grief journey, especially with having lost a loved one to suicide. And they often don't know who to turn to, or they feel that, what, you know, is it normal what they're thinking and what they're feeling? And I thought if I could share the rawness and the authenticity of what I'm going through to others, perhaps that could help them with their journeys. So it's um, written within the first six months of losing my brother. Um, and I published the book through Amazon on the anniversary, the first anniversary of his passing, which I felt was the most appropriate time to, to share that with everybody. And it's it does share at the start, the first few chapters, it talks through how I came to be writing this book. So it does go through, you know, the, the trauma of, of him dying by suicide, but it's not in any way graphic. There's no sort of detail there. It's just explaining what's happened. Mm. And then it goes through the tools and resources that I've used personally myself to help deal with the, the shock, with the trauma, with the disbelief, with the stigma of suicide, with sort of connecting with others, um, the activities and things that I'm doing to make sure that I keep going because it could so be so easy to just shut out the world and want to hide. And I want to, to let others know that there are ways that you can get through this on a daily basis because grief becomes something that we live with. Um, it's not something that we get over or move on from. It's something that we learn to live with on a daily basis. And it's a massive roller coaster of emotions. Um, so I share all of that. Um, there's sort of also at the, the end of the book, a sort of journal where you can include and write things about your loved one. So you, they feel part of the book. I want, I want the reader to feel that their loved one is also reading the book with them. Um, and it's, I think with memories that I try to keep so many of the memories I have of my brother alive and by writing them down, it sort of bring, feels that it's bringing him closer to me and bringing those memories more alive and making them stronger. So in the book, you can sort of add different things to, to keep those memories really strong and really close to you. And at the start of the book, as I was just sort of finalizing it, I felt that I wanted to do something for those that I'd connected with over the, the past year online. There's so many support groups for suicide loss survivors. And so I've got, and there's several pages at the start of the book where I list the names of loved ones who have died by suicide and their age and the year that they passed. And it, I was in floods of tears just adding each name because that is such an important person in the world and the families that I think who are left behind, who are so devastated. It was very important, I felt, to add them and include them within the book. So yeah, to sum it up, it's, um, it's really there to, to help others navigate their own grief journey because each and every one of us have got our own unique journey. And it's just to say, I'm holding your hand. I'm here. I'm going through this. And, you know, 
if I'm helping, then that, that's a good thing. I see. It brings me nicely onto the point I was about to make, which is I understand everybody's experience and everybody's grief is very different. What advice would you give to somebody who is a survivor of this? What would your say tips be in coming to terms with, as you said, the grief that you uh, live with on a daily basis? I think I would say just remember that what you're experiencing is right for you, not to compare grief or, you know, you'll, you'll see some people who are doing very different things. Some people might be keeping themselves super, super busy and they're going back to work and they're just going full blast. And perhaps you might be feeling that you can't speak to anyone and you don't want any noise around you and you're struggling to leave the house. Everyone experiences it completely differently. The important thing is to remember to reach out just to to get some support, whether it is counselling, coaching, therapy, your GP, um, online support groups, and and the groups online, there's there's so many of them. I've set up my own support group, What Suicide Left Behind, um, and sort of attached to that, I've now set up a community which is away from social media, but it's online called Paradisium. And in there, it's, it's pretty much everything. It's almost like an, sort of an online um, magazine, I suppose you could call it, where you've got all the resources that you need, all the practical tips when it comes to dealing with the suicide loss. So dealing with the inquest, with the funeral arrangements, with the admin, the paperwork. But it's also got... Um, self-care it's got about well-being it's got activities so I've set up a choir um, there's art craft workshops so even just creating things doing things creatively can really help with expressing your emotions helping with your grief because I find that you just need to give yourself some time to just be to just sit with your grief but just give yourself some time to breathe um, so yeah, I've, it's, there's a lot out there, but it's just finding something that's right for you. And if you're not sure, um, go into a support group and you'll kind of find people that you connect with that are perhaps sharing the same loss of, you know, perhaps if it's a sibling loss, you'll connect more with those that have lost siblings. Or if it's, if you've lost a child, you'll connect more with other parents who've lost a child. So yeah definitely reach out and never ever feel alone because there are many of us who want to help and together we are definitely stronger. Absolutely. I think that's a very powerful message that uh, I'd almost like to end on. What would you like to achieve in the near future, Lindsay, um, either with your work, with raising awareness or beyond that? I understand that might be a slightly broad question, but I'll just fire away. <laughs> I think um, I think it's just getting, just really making people feel more comfortable speaking about not only suicide, but with grief. We all go through grief at some point in our life and grief doesn't have to be from a death. It can be from all sorts, from losing a job or a relationship breakdown. And it's just for each and every one of us just to be a little bit more open with one another and feel comfortable 
speaking up and for our voices not to be pushed aside or pushed down or being told we can't say this. Um, Let's just be more supportive, understanding and kinder. And if it means you need to educate yourself or inform yourself about something, then take take on that responsibility and, and go learn a little bit more because you could make such a huge impact in someone else's life. And it's that ripple effect, you know, just by helping one person that could help another and that could help another. So, yeah, I hope that answers. <laughs> that uh, absolutely. Uh, where can we find out more about what you do on social media, Lindsay? Where can we find the book? OK, so the book is on Amazon um, all around the world. Um, so whichever Amazon website you have it's called what suicide left behind and it's in paperback and also on ebook kindle um, and then in terms of support my website is um, paradisium.co.uk um, paradisium once you go onto it you'll understand why it's called that name it's connected to my brother's passing and then on social media, I've got my Facebook group, which is What Suicide Left Behind, and also a Facebook public page, also by the same name, What Suicide Left Behind. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Lindsay, can I say thank you very much for sharing your story today? I've really appreciated your insight. I think it's such a key message that we need to get out there to raise awareness and to stop the stigma so thank you very much for doing that and I wish you all the very best moving forwards. Thank you so much Connor it's been wonderful to chat with you today and I really appreciate you doing this so thank you. Yeah thank you Lindsay uh, see you soon. Bye. <laughs>